to Prisma Cast, the podcast of Prisma Center for Jewish Day Schools. My name is Elliot Rabin, and I am Prisma's Director of Thought Leadership. Today's podcast is part of a series called Research Encounter, featuring a conversation between a researcher and a day school leader about a recent work of scholarship. Our guests today are Dr. Miriam Heller Stern, National Director of the School of Education an associate professor at HUC-JIR in Los Angeles, and Dr. Susie Tanchel, the head of school at JCDS, Boston's Jewish Community Day School, a K-8 school in Watertown, Massachusetts. Miriam and Susie will be talking about the role of creativity in Jewish education. The conversation is prompted by Miriam's article, Jewish Creative Sensibilities, Framing a New Aspiration for Jewish Education that recently appeared in the Journal of Jewish Education. Welcome, Susie and Miriam. Hi. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us. This is really great. Um, Miriam, let's start with you. How do you understand or define what creativity is? So my starting point for this conversation is a broad range of scholarship on creativity and creative thinking. But I think a simple definition is offered by Sir Ken Robinson, who is one of the leading advocates for creativity and education today. And he defines creativity as having original ideas of value. It's an important definition for our purposes because people often associate creativity either with artistic practices or with the sciences and engineering and innovation and people often assume that creativity demands a certain level of technical skill. And in fact, creativity is a way of thinking and a way of being in the world that produces original, useful, valuable action. Thank you. That's very, very clear and compelling. Why is creativity especially important in education today, as you argue? I think that education has to not only prepare our students for the future, but engage them in mindsets that will enable them to be successful contributors to society today and to lead fulfilling lives. And creativity and creative thinking and action are essential skills and mindsets for our students to navigate a world that in certain ways is very uncertain and unstable. And in the same time, we're living in a world that is brimming with opportunity. And our kids, our learners need to have experiences that will help them practice the skills that will enable them to be successful drivers of creative change for the future. So Jewish education, traditionally conceived, is often in practice uh, a matter of or requires a great deal of technical training, um, imparting the skills and knowledge to be able to decode and understand Hebrew, possibly Aramaic, uh, texts written long ago and to be able to interpret them um, through, often through the lenses of traditional commentators. How can Jewish education 
be reconceived as uh, through a vision of creativity? I don't think that one necessarily, one vision necessarily needs to diminish the other. Uh, I don't think that you can have creativity without knowledge, uh, but developing knowledge also doesn't necessarily mean that we don't also engage in creative thought. Uh, so really what I would look to do ideally is to bridge the two. Now that being said, I think we have a long history of thinking about Jewish education as uh, a project of preserving Judaism uh, and handing down a knowledge base from one generation to the next, developing a literacy uh, from one generation to the next. I'm really interested in what are we going to do with that literacy? Uh, how is each generation going to make sense of it? And when you look back at uh, the cycles of Jewish history and the ways that Jews have managed to survive, reinvent themselves, reinvent new cultures, new traditions, uh, you know, even food cultures and language and music throughout the generations, uh, the ways that Jews have engaged in new modes of interpretation and new ways of learning uh, over the many generations, those are all examples of how Jewish creative thinking has been very much part of our DNA and our inheritance all along. Our school structures are not always set up for uh, that kind of activity. Uh, of course, I see JCDS as an important uh, exception and leader at the vanguard of doing just, just this kind of visionary work. Uh, but I think that we don't have to just get stuck in literacy and knowledge as the, both the means and the end. Uh, it's a means to enriching the Jewish future. First of all, Miriam, thank you for this illuminating article. I loved it. Thank you. <laughs> uh, I, really, I really found it uh, enriching in the sense that it provided me with a research to back um, much of our educational vision and practice here at JCDS. Uh, some of it I was familiar with already and, uh, and some of it less so. So really, thank you. I am, uh, I am also reminded of uh, something that Sir Ken Robinson said about uh, creativity and that schools are places that kill it. Yes. <laughs> and that really, uh, that really had an impact on me uh, when I became a head of school uh, close to a decade ago now. So, uh, so it, was, it was wonderful to see um, even more of, of what he had to say. Um, so just picking up on your last point for, for a moment, when I think about uh, the place of texts and tradition and transmission, uh, I agree that the, that the end point is some kind of balance between texts, tradition, transmission, and transformation. And yeah, what yeah. that transformation, uh, thank you, it's gonna be a speech I'm gonna give in a few months. <laughs> so I haven't written it yet, but, um, but, uh, but I really think that in thinking about, you know, in the same way as Judaism responded to the destruction of um, the first temple and really moved from, a temple-based religion to a book-based religion and how 
Jews figured out how to move into the exile and what changes had to happen to the religion. So now um, there are advents in our world all around us that we need to think about how do we frame um, our lives, both in terms of our Jewish knowledge and commitments and beliefs and practices and in what we see all around us. And so part of what we think about a lot at JCVS is how do we prepare kids for a world that doesn't yet exist? What does that mean? What does that look like? What are our responsibilities, uh, both as Jews and as Americans, and really, truthfully, the integration of that? I agree. I think that's where the text can become the vehicle for transformation. Uh, And that's what I'm uh, suggesting with my framework of Jewish creative sensibilities. Um, surely there's, there are language, there are skills, there are many, every corporation has a workshop that it, uh, you know, invites or subjects its, uh, uh, its employees to be part of to become more creative. And that it's, it's very kitschy in a way. And I don't want that um, to in any way detract from what I see as a very uniquely deep cultural inheritance that is part of our Jewish texts, our stories, our founding myths. Uh, You mentioned, I think, one of the key disruptive moments in Jewish history where the Jewish people had to kind of pivot and reinvent themselves and refocus the efforts to maintain and sustain Judaism in the next generation, that shift from centralized worship to learning uh, as a focus. Um, Right. Right. And so I was thinking, you know, one of the examples of this in our work has really been a work around technology and thinking about our children being creative producers of technology and just not consumers of technology. And how do we build a bridge, right? If we believe you know, I uh, appreciated your comments about Dewey and democratic practice, but an, an additional part of Dewey's vision was really about people being whole people and not kind of divided into disciplines. And so if we extend that into thinking about uh, people, our, our children as people and as consumers of technology, producers of technology, Jews, Americans, all of it together, thinking about, well, what does that mean? How do we have, we welcome technology into our school as a way of Jewish expression and Jewish self-expression. So it's going to look different because we're a pluralistic day school. So we encourage those different voices, not only in the coding tefillah, which thank you for mentioning that. For that thank, you for, thank you for giving me the, uh, the source. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. Um, but also in terms of our learning adventures, you know, when we think about um, our seventh graders, we're working on building, uh, a, not literally, building a community mikvah. What would they need to do? And so they designed that mikvah, some of them in Minecraft, even as they were developing a business plan, even as they were meeting with community members to talk about what do they have to do. And so here they were um, developing a practice. It's not so much practice as developing a practice of thinking about real life problems and what do they have, 
what do they have to contribute? They don't have to wait to be 18 or 22 or 24. What do they have to contribute now? Right. And that, when, you know, when we look at that, if we look closely at that example that you just gave of the kids taking on a need in the community uh, and imagining how that need, right? A mikvah, it can provide uh, spiritual immersion, ritual immersion. It's a place where uh, people can connect with their tradition, connect back with traditional practice or maintain traditional practices. Imagining what a mikvah can look like in the 21st century and what new ways it can provide spiritual meaning for a diverse community is a project that I would want any developing Jewish child to be engaged in. But beyond just the spiritual piece, to be able to anticipate the needs of the community and then build a project that makes sense, that's affordable. Right. <laughs> Being right. involved in the real practical issues. And that's not just preparing them for real life. It's also practicing the mindsets that they are going to need to be imaginative, to be problem solvers, and to discern amongst available knowledge our kids to have access to so much information. But I think the biggest challenge for them in the world that we live in now is that not all of that information comes from trustworthy sources. Right. And they're going to need to learn in school with the guidance of their trusted teachers how to negotiate and how to navigate when sources that they find may not align with their values or sources that they find may not be reasonable or trustworthy. Right. So they're going to have to navigate in that information society. And that's why scholars are arguing that Perhaps all of this excitement about the information society is already passe. What we really need is a creative society where people can roll up their sleeves and figure out imaginatively and reasonably what to do with right. all that information. Add the Jewish wisdom piece, and then you have a moral tradition, you have an ancient tradition, and a contemporary tradition. You have a values-driven conversation that's based in ritual and that's based in a desire for meaningful spiritual practice and a desire to build community. Right. So I want to say a couple of things to that. Our children um, invented brachot for the mikvah. Yeah. And, and actually were, were um, thinking about, you know, how the mikvah could serve people who'd been uh, done their time and come out of prison and needed rehabilitation. Wow. And they wow. just like their thought process of how it was just, you know, and how to bring those people back into a Jewish society. Right. So that was the, why Brachot were so important to these kids. Mm -hmm. to think about. I mean, it, it really was amazing. Um, right. but, I, in a way like Brachot are the ultimate expression of Jewish empathy, right? Yes. It's really recognizing it's not just gratitude, but it's saying like, what is valuable about what is in front of me and about what we're accomplishing here today? Right. So, so when you were talking about really um, evidence, right, and, yeah. and discerning different voices and, and thinking about what each had to contribute to the conversation, 
you know, one of the things that we've been working and really uh, developing our thinking quite deeply on is a pluralism of engagement. Mm. And, and uh, what does that mean and what does that look like? And at JCDS, um, really, I was influenced by Deborah Meyer, who you cite around the work of the Habits of Mind and Heart. Um, we have JCDS Habits of Mind and Heart that uh, really every should have that chart that you have. <laughs> well, or yes, every school should develop their own, what, what's Correct. meaningful to their particular context. Correct. Correct. Perhaps. And so one of the ones I wanted to point to, in addition to the evidence one, was about um, the cognitive capacity of multiple perspectives. And the, the habit of heart that goes with that is the habit of empathy. And so these cross, these seven habits really cross all across our curriculum, Jewish, non-Jewish, doesn't matter, because again, whole human beings if we believe that people who will be successful and efficacious in the century are now people who can traverse multiple worlds and who can creatively build bridges across difference and really collaborate with people different from themselves, we thought about what were the skills and capacities that people had to develop in order to do that and had to develop a, a spiritual practice almost, right? Because the habit is, one of them is curiosity, is not on what you are innately curious about, I love Boston sports. I'm innately <laughs> curious about that. I'm less interested in dance, but I need to cultivate curiosity in the places where I'm not innately interested because that's when it becomes a habit. So that when I confront someone who has a different opinion from mine or wants to go a different path, instead of leaving the conversation or leaving the community, I stick with it. I stay in a productive disequilibrium, right? In a place where I'm a little uncomfortable but I can be productive and we can move forward and we can discover new truths. So our children practice these habits repeatedly. Our teachers teach them mindfully and explicitly. They offer opportunities for our children to practice them. And then they, accept, they talk to them about how they're doing relative to these habits. Right. If I could jump in, this is a perfect bridge to Miriam's article, which I wanted to, oh, to get into further because <laughs> She, as she mentioned earlier, the uh, Jewish creative sensibilities, and one of them has to do, I think you, you call it kihila, uh, and it's exactly about uh, this ability to empathize and work productively and, and deal with the tensions and opportunities of uh, being in relation and working, working with other people. So uh, if you could just take a step back, because you mentioned this term, but... Uh, it's worth uh, explaining what you mean by it and um, how those serve as a bridge or I don't know what word you would use between uh, to draw out the, the resources of Jewish tradition in service of these, uh, this creative vision that you're putting forth. I offer the framework of Jewish creative sensibilities as a way of outlining language and ways of thinking, ways of seeing, ways of being that are embedded deeply in Jewish texts, Jewish narratives, Jewish lived experience throughout history as a way of framing what it means to see and be and do in the world as a Jew who is also committed to this practice of thinking and acting creatively to bring Jewish wisdom 
into the world. I see the learning that happens at JCDS as a shining example of what this looks like in action. Sensibilities, you could call them habits of mind, you can call them mindsets, but they are learned through living, through practice. We don't simply say that um, on February 4th, we're having creativity day, and that's where <laughs> we're going to learn to be creative, right? We don't simply learn on Thursdays that this is the day that we're doing empathy, right? Uh, yes, Fridays we do Shabbat because there is a ritual of each week, every seven days, slowing down, pausing for reflection, gathering with our community in the unique practices that are part of Shabbat, but that gets ritualized, right, over this pattern of 52 weeks a year. So the beauty of sensibilities is that we learn them through living. And in schools, we often fall into the trap of going back to John Dewey's concern about dividing up our real world falsely right. into the boundaries of subject matters. In real life, we think integratively. In real life, we answer questions by drawing on all of our wisdom. We don't simply go through our filing cabinet in our minds and say, what did I learn in English class and what did I learn in math class? But we are drawing on our life lessons in real life. So when we can have an integrated project-based approach that brings our wisdom to bear on our everyday problems, challenges, quandaries, when we know we can't walk away from the table when we disagree because at the end of the day, we need our kihila to survive. We need other people to flourish. So we have to figure out what we are going to do and how we are going to learn in those moments when we disagree so that we can have productive disagreement and machloket l'shem shemaim, right? A conflict that's in the name, in the state, for the sake of heaven, as opposed to conflict that upsets the heavens. Right. And part of what is... Um powerful for me about some of the work that we're doing is that that happens in Tanakh and in Toshba class as you're both learning the texts, right? So Shivim Panim Torah, there's 70 faces of Torah. So we can, we can disagree, right? Like these and these are the, the spoken words of the living God. There are, there's a Jewish fund, a strong foundation for this having multiple opinions, the value of multiple opinions. So that that becomes both the subject matter, quote unquote, but also the medium of discussion. And then you go to math class, and in math class, you also have to discuss your thinking because there's not only one way to solve a math problem. And so you know that this is a Jewish value that is now being expressed somewhere else. Or when our first graders are grappling with a commonplace of God. So our first graders did a documentary. They produced a documentary on God. And you have them talking to each other about God, and you have them interviewing adults in the community about God, and you have them going to uh, a grocery store right near us and interviewing <laughs> random people on the street about God. And they feel that they are part of a serious conversation right. about a complex topic 
there's not one right answer and they're making a contribution of value. Absolutely. I mean, this is the principle that Jerome Bruner articulated right. so beautifully, you know, back in 1960 that I think is still a guiding mantra for all of education today, and particularly for Jewish education. He said that any child can learn any idea at a uh, developmentally appropriate level in an intellectually honest way. We as educators just have to have the patience and the creativity right. to explain it and to give them the opportunity to express it. Absolutely. And that's what involves the first graders in the project of creative thinking and action. And that's what enables them to develop these creative sensibilities over time in an organic way and in their own unique voices as well. Right. So I think developmentally appropriate is critical, as is repeated practice. That it isn't a one-shot deal. That it needs to be in and out of the curriculum at all times. When I talk to prospective families about coming to JCDS, I say we don't do pluralism at 10 a.m. on a Tuesday morning. (laughs) It's part and parcel of what happens all the time in so many different ways. And that the beauty of our community is that we explore how are you a strong individual in the mists of a community, right? So you develop your ideas, you present them to classmates, they give you feedback and you refine and you keep going because ultimately it's not just about you, it's about you in the service of others. I agree, I agree. Ultimately, I think our measure of success is not going to be in how much our kids know, but how they think. Yes. In fact, we talk here about not teaching kids what to think, but how to think. Yeah. And that academic excellence is necessary, but not sufficient. That who you are as you walk through the world matters so much because what we're educating towards is living lives of meaning and purpose, right? We want our children to be agents of change for a more just and equitable world. And so we're trying to define and refine an educational system that gives them opportunities to develop those skills and capacities so they are able to participate in society. So beautiful, such a beautiful vision, which I know is lived very thoroughly every day at JCDS and other outstanding day schools. I wanna just ask one more question before we leave. Um, And that is in the place of the arts. So we talked about earlier how Creativity is not something you do in an arts class once or twice a week, but it's really something that is integral to the warp and weave of a school. But that still begs the question, what is, what is the purpose of art? Is art just now another class, or does it add something incredibly important to this uh, development of creativity? The arts provide vehicles for learning to express our creativity. All arts are languages in and of, its, in and of themselves. So when we learn to dance, when we learn to sing, when we learn to play music and compose music, when we learn to create visual art through different media, each one of those expressions is another language. I, I would just add that it's also a vehicle for self-expression. Right, so, so children have a new outlet, a different outlet, 
And uh, when we have milestones at JCDS that are celebrations of, um, of different Jewish events and or public displays of learning, art is always a component in that because a child has a different way of expressing his or her identity or multiple identities that really bring together who they are um, through the arts, through their Jewish commitments. And it's a, it's a powerful display of, of our pluralism and the different people and the different voices that form our community. If you'd like to continue the conversation with either of our guests today, please contact me, Elliot Raven, at elliotr at prisma.org. To learn more about Prisma, go to our website at www.prisma.org. Please make sure you're following us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at the handle PrismaCJDS for all things Prisma and the Day School Network. Thank you for tuning in to PrismaCast today. We hope you enjoyed and we'll come back again soon for future episodes.